Welcome to Conversations with Commerce Trust Company. We're going to cover our mid-year outlook with Scott Colbert, our chief economist. Scott, welcome today. Thanks, Chris. Uh, we're on the cusp of a 10-year anniversary that's uh, maybe the longest expansion in U.S. history. Uh, the, uh, there are some local jitters, no doubt, but the, uh, and maybe a little bit of deceleration uh, globally. But uh, can you bring us up to speed today? Sure. Um, you know, we have been suggesting for some time we were likely to have the longest, you know, economic expansion on record, uh, which was uh, 10 years bordered by the uh, uh, first Iraq war in the Internet bubble. Uh, as of June, we are, you know, 10 years into this. Uh, we think the outlook is, you know, still exceptionally positive with quite a bit of runway. There are clearly some headaches, uh, most notably the tariff situation, if not outright war we're having with China right now. Um, you certainly have uh, uh, inflation that's very modest and uh, uh, some slowing economies, particularly in the developed world with Japan and Europe, and of course even China slowing. But we think that, you know, we're still largely an island unto ourselves, uh, and we can make forward progress here even as the world decelerates. Let's break that down a little bit more. Let's start with interest rates. Um, we've gone from a situation where we've been in a, in a pause environment, if you will, with the Fed, and now maybe we're going to be uh, going a reversal of that. Sure. that you know The Fed has uh, gently raised interest rates nine times from the bottom, essentially 0% to about a 25 to 2.5% pace today. It took them three years to you know, gently raise the interest rate uh, you know, outlook. They have now you know, pivoted in their outlook where they thought they were going to raise rates this year to a perpetual pause, and most recently it's likely that they're actually going to have to punt now, even on the pause, and lower rates. We expect to see rates you know, decline a couple times for the rest of the year. And globally, of course, central bank accommodation has been you know, material. China has lowered their rates. The ECB now is talking about extending quantitative easing. Um, they're even talking about driving rates even further, more negative uh, in Europe. And of course, Japan has had a 0% interest rate policy for quite some time. We do think the lower rate and the uh, more accommodative fiscal policy, both domestically and globally, helps extend the global recovery and, of course, the U.S. recovery as well. We've had our share of drama in the first six months. Uh, maybe tariff is uh, center stage. Uh, the threat of tariffs are out there. What what can you say about that? Sure. Well, the, you know, the drama really started, I guess, back in October of last year with the stock market falling, forcing the Fed kind of to pause. But, in, you know, in addition to this, you know, the administration has uh, burdened us with, you know, the outlook for, you know, tariffs. We think the, unfortunately, probably the, the final, you know, problems associated with all the tariffs that are likely to be implemented between us and China have yet to be fully discounted in the market. But still, the nominal impact to our economy is not likely to be as material as psychology will dictate for a period of time. In other words, what I'm saying is the actual numbers associated with these tariffs aren't that big of a tax on society to push us towards a recession, but psychologically, you know, there's still a lot to be dealt with. And we don't think that, you know, the, the administration is done implementing their tariffs. We think it's going to be very difficult to come to an agreement, although recently there's been some talk, of course, that, you know, and there's been a lot of talk along this time that there's going to be some type of an agreement, but we're, we're rather pessimistic on the outlook for, the, for, a, for a final agreement that's materially different than what we're going to end up with, which is a lot of tariffs. And, and perhaps in addition to that, the, the uh, jobs reports have pulled back a little bit on a monthly basis. Uh, uh, any kind of elaboration there you'd like to share? Sure. Well, you know, we grew at 3% pace last year. We're likely to grow, you know, something much less than that this year, but still north of 2%. 
Um, one of the things that we're seeing is a slight slowdown in employment growth. That doesn't mean employment growth still isn't positive. While we grow, we, we, we grew last year more than 200,000 jobs per month, we're growing a bit less than 200,000 jobs per month this year. May we saw some weakness. We think that had a little bit to do with the tariffs, a little bit to do with uh, uh, weather-related, meaning there's been a lot of rain. It's been a slow, you know, a, a slow, um, uh, slow go in the agricultural sector for the first half of the year. But we still think, you know, the outlook for employment growth is still pretty steady and pretty strong. Um, uh, it's just that, you know, what we're going through is a slight slowdown in, in the employment growth. Now, part and parcel to that, uh, people have an expectation during a, a strong economy that wages will go up. Uh, and, and maybe that hasn't happened to the degree that, that some people had hoped, but uh, maybe it's going in the right direction. Well, certainly wages have been rising from the bottom. Um, you know, the very, very bottom uh, average wage growth uh, back in 2009 was, you know, just barely more than 1% on a year-over-year basis. Today, as best we can measure it, either through the um, employment cost indexes or average, average hourly earnings, uh, wages and salaries are growing, you know, and benefits at better than, you know, 3% per year. And while that's low relative to historical norms, we also started out with the largest amount of unemployment, um, you know, uh, at the end of the last recession, because, of course, the last recession was 40% longer than the average recession and 60% deeper than the worst recession we've ever had. You know, some people have said this expansion has been shallow by, by comparison to other expansions in the past, and yet inflation has been missing in action. I like to think that's a good thing, but uh, what, what does the Fed say about that? Well, of course, you know, um, because it has been a shallow recovery, meaning, you know, about 60 to 65 percent the pace of uh, historic recoveries, um, we haven't generated the heat or the friction that you normally would have 10 years into an economic recovery. Uh, because we haven't used up all the plant, capital, and equipment. We've largely used up the bodies, but even the bodies have been a, a function of demographics rather than just outright um, employment growth. So, you know, this the, the positive part of this, the, the weaker recovery, is that we haven't generated this inflation. There isn't any global inflation, and this affords central banks around the world to be materially more accommodative, including our central bank, which is somewhat surprised because, of course, they had an outlook where they were expecting to raise rates towards about 3%, and now all of a sudden, not only have they paused at 25 but they're likely to reverse and give us back maybe one or two of those rate hikes uh, as the year progresses, and, you know, they have a longer-run now outlook closer to 2.5% than, than 3 Some investors might think that a low interest rate environment uh, is problematic um, and, a, and have that search for yield. What, what can you tell those investors? Well, you know, it, it hasn't been problematic if you want to buy a house, right? It's kept mortgage rates down. It's not problematic for a debt-laden society. And we are, gosh knows, there's a lot of, um, you know, government debt. And there's a lot of personal debt, a lot of uh, business debt. So it's been good uh, there. Uh, but it does, you know, from an investor's point of view, it becomes diff very difficult to get a fixed coupon for a long period of time. Ten-year Treasury today is about 2.1%, and uh, short-term rates are likely to be, you know, closer to one and a half rather than two. Uh, so you do see investors reaching for yield, and there's really only two ways to do that. You go further out the maturity spectrum, you know, where the two and a half over the 30-year Treasury is closer to, you know, two and a half to th two and three quarters percent yield, or you go down in credit. And it's particularly the moving down in credit that you have to worry a little bit. To get a 5% yield, which is what we're all kind of used to, we call it the nickel cigar, um, you really have to move into junk territory. There's been a lot of money flowing towards the less liquid, less credited parts of the market. I do worry that that's probably the biggest risk that we have growing in the longest of runs, um, that, that, that reach 
for yield because of the ultra-low interest rate environment. We're likely to create some excesses. If we create an excess, it's likely to be in that space. Scott, let's close with this. Um, Australia, for example, has had a very long, long expansion, maybe 26, uh, 26, 28 years. years. Yes, right. If um, this economy still has legs, and I think you've been consistent in your uh, belief that it does, where, where do we go from here? Well, you know, our, our outlook has been that this would be the longest recovery. Um, the internal work that we have, and of course, it's very difficult to forecast. Those, you know, when you live by a crystal ball, you eventually have to eat some glass. Uh, but, but, you know, we really think that there's still several more years of recovery in front of us because we're not generating this inflation. The two key charts that we look at are the leading economic indicators, which um, while they've slowed, they're still making forward progress. And then the amount of time that we've had a positively sloped yield curve is highly correlated to the length of recovery. Both of these indicators would suggest that we still have three plus more years, maybe even as much as four years more to go before you'd expect to run out of runway, if you will, or room. And that room is generally, you know, you know, when you create the inflationary pressure that forces the Federal Reserve to break the economy. Not only do they have to be breaking, but you have to create some type of exogenous shock. That could be a war. It could be, uh, uh, you know, the tariffs with China. Uh, we've seen two tankers in the Middle East uh, recently, you know, catch fire, and uh, we had a we had a drone, you know, shot down today by Iran. So, you know, it can be almost anything. Uh, we've had a number of things that have pushed us into recession: oil embargoes, uh, first Iraq war, uh, uh, wage price spirals, um, the housing recession, and the internet bubble. Uh, so it can be, you know, you know, you're always looking for an exogenous shock of some time combined with a restrictive Fed to push us into a recession. Thanks, Scott. That was Scott Colbert, Commerce Trust Company Chief Economist. Thanks for uh, being on the program today. Thank you. The risk of loss in securities and other investments can be substantial. You should always carefully consider whether investments either entered into directly by you or through Commerce Trust or any financial institution on a discretionary managed basis is appropriate for you in light of your investment objectives, financial circumstances, tax status, your tolerance to risks, and your investment experience. In considering whether to trade or invest, you should inform yourself and be aware of the risks generally. Non-depository investments offered in connection with Commerce Bank are not guaranteed, are not FDIC insured, and as noted earlier, may lose value. Any information provided is for the purpose of general education, information, or illustration only and is not to be treated as the opinion of Commerce Trust Company or Commerce Bank as a recommendation on any future investments or market behavior. Providing this information which may be of value to you or others in the general audience shall not detract from an investor's responsibilities to take all such steps and make all such inquiries as may be necessary or desirable to ensure that you fully understand and are familiar with any potential future investment. Neither Commerce nor any of its officers, employees, or agents have made any recommendation or given any advice as to the terms and profitability of any investment or market activity which may be referenced here. Accordingly, you understand that you are and shall at all times be fully responsible for any investment transaction you choose to enter into and that you shall not have relied on any of the following information from Commerce as a basis for an investment decision. Please also note that Commerce does not offer tax, legal, or specific estate planning advice, and while we may provide information or express general opinions from time to time, such information or opinions are not offered as professional tax or legal advice. 
If you are in any doubt about the risk involved in any trading or investment arrangements, or you are uncertain of or have not understood any aspect of the risk disclosure statement, you should seek independent professional advice. Markets, economic forecast, and specific investments can change from time to time based on a variety of individual, interrelated, or complex factors of varying degree. This disclosure statement cannot, of course, disclose all the risks and other significant aspects of investments, economies, or markets in which you may elect to transact from time to time. You should therefore carefully study relevant investment arrangements in advance of making decisions regarding investing.